Hey, and thanks for tuning in to the Father's House podcast. The Father's House exists to see people discover life in Jesus. We hope that today's message brings you fresh life and renewed hope as you listen. Enjoy. All right. Come on, well, hey, uh, it's good to be with you on the first Sunday of 2021. I know David already welcomed you, but allow me to welcome you again. So good to be back in church with all you guys. I hope you had an amazing rest, an incredible Christmas, a great new year, and despite all the complications and the conditions that you found a creative way to connect with some family members and some people that you love, uh, I know we did, and it was super restful. Uh, shout out to all of our dream team who got a week off, but they're back in the room today serving like crazy, so good to have you guys as well. Um, I felt, I, I got to share this, I felt super grateful on Christmas. I, uh, I shared this with my wife after hanging around Christmas morning and uh, I had gotten all of those texts and you guys get those like obligatory Christmas texts from everybody that you haven't talked to in about 20 years. They're like, hey, Merry Christmas. I'm like, you saw my number? That's weird. And you only asked me for money and say Merry Christmas and that's it. But I, I got a bunch of these text messages um, on Christmas morning and uh, for the first time ever, uh, I just, I saw all these names that I didn't even know two years ago. And instead of being somewhat annoyed with all the text messages, I was incredibly grateful. I'm like, I wouldn't have known any of these people had it not been for what God has done in the Father's house over the last couple of years. And now I have this extended family that I'm so, so grateful for. So thank you for being a part of the family here and for... Uh, Pivoting with us over and over and over again last year, as David mentioned, the second we're able to gather again, we'll let all of you know, and I'm excited to be back. But until then, here we are online. Uh, I'm gonna jump in in just a moment to the, uh, with the message, but before I do that, um, I wanna invite all of our church into a couple of things that are taking place in January. Uh, we like to take the first month of the year and really kind of focus in on what we believe God wants to do in our lives, individually and in our church. And uh, there's a couple of ways you can jump in and focus in on with us. Um, January marks the start of our group semester every single year. And if you are not a part of a TFH group, let me strongly encourage you to jump in and find a group that works for you. Doesn't matter how old you are, doesn't matter what your interests are, there's a group for every age and every interest. And really, this is how you become a part of the, uh, the family here at the Father's House. You could be an online attender and watch you know, from the screen and all of that is great and I'm grateful for those that, that do that. But my heart is that you wouldn't stay there for very long, but that you would truly become a part of what God is doing here in this church, a part of the family. And the best way to do that, the best way to get discipled, the way we do that around here is through our groups. And if you're not in one, you can jump on our app. Uh, you can click on the groups button or again on the webpage, uh, tfh.church, click on groups and you can browse through all those groups, find the group leader that you think is the most attractive and you know, has the, the best schedule for you. And you, know, you can pick whatever group works out best for you. Uh, <laughs> I felt like a couple of the group leaders raised their hand when I said that. And some of them in the room like, I'm the most attractive. There's some single ones too. So if you're scoping, just anyway. Okay, moving on. Uh, also, uh, in our groups, uh, during the month of January, we're gonna be going through a resource called Reset. It's a book that is popping up on your screen right now. And uh, this is a book that we have an opportunity as a church to walk through, both in our groups and individually. I wanna invite you in on the journey. It's a 20-day resource where we're gonna pray, do a little devotional in the morning. And I think there's something so powerful about an entire church going through something together, talking about the same things, praying about the same things every single morning. And again, I wanna invite you in on that journey. Uh, uh, on our resource page, both on the app and on the website, there's a link where you can get that book. Uh, I've done it once before in January. It is powerful. Bob Sorge is an incredible man, and uh, I think you'll really enjoy jumping in on that resource. But uh, as we get to the conclusion of January in that book, uh, we're gonna do something we do every single year around here at the Father's House, and I'm telling you now so that you're warned and you're not you know, traumatized when I announce it. Uh, we're gonna be doing a seven-day fast, right? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Generally, people don't get super excited about not eating, but 
Um, every year we take a week and we just focus in our spirits. We set media aside and food aside and we focus our attention on Jesus and we get some clarity for what he wants for our lives individually and for our church. And I wanna really encourage you to jump in on this fast with us. I know that that might be a foreign concept to some. Uh, it's not like intermittent fasting where you're trying to lose weight. It's for Jesus. And uh, there's a resource again on the website and on the app. Uh, called A Guide to Prayer and Fasting. And if you'd like to browse through that over the next couple of weeks before we start that fast, strongly encourage you to do so uh, so that you can come in prepared and we can run after God together. Amen? I think that's all of my announcements. Is that all I'm supposed to say? Yes, it is. All right, let's get into the word. You guys ready? Here we go. 2021, you made it, man. You are alive, you're here, you're breathing, you're kicking, you're screaming. I think if you made it through 2020, you're a winner, all right? There are no participation trophies for 2020, only victors, only champions. Come on, if you made it through 2020 and you are alive to talk about it, you are doing just fine. <laughs> and and I, I say that in jest, but I also say it with a tone of sincerity because here's the deal. If your faith was able to make it through, to weather through the storm of 2020, you were probably much stronger in Jesus than you realized. If you were able to weather that storm and come out still loving him, still loving his church, still in his word, still trusting him, man, you are, you are a lot stronger in your faith than perhaps you give yourself credit for. Bible says in Proverbs chapter 24, verse 10, uh, if you falter in times of trouble, how weak is your faith? And that reality was unfortunate for many last year. There were a lot of folks that tapped out on Jesus and said, uh, this is too much. If God was real, if he cared, this whole thing would be done by now but that's not you. You are still in the house of God. You're still loving Jesus. You're still connected. You're tuning into church. So good on you. Thank you for being a victor in Jesus Christ. As Elton John said, you're still standing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're doing just fine, all right, if you're here. And if you're alive and if you're breathing and if you're watching this right now, I wanna declare over you that I believe 2021 is going to be a significant year. Not just for you individually, for our church as well. And I know that that is something that every pastor is supposed to say, and it might sound like my obligatory statement. In fact, every pastor said that at the beginning of 2020, and look what happened then. Um, I went back and watched the first sermon. I'm like, can we please erase this from our YouTube channel? This guy has no idea what he's talking about. He definitely doesn't hear from Jesus. But when, when I say that it's gonna be a significant year, I truly believe that with all my heart, and here's why. Uh, what I understand about the word of God and, and following Jesus and knowing his character and his nature at this point in life is that generally speaking, after there is testing, there's blessing. Generally, that's the pattern of scripture. Then generally, that's the pattern of life. You're gonna go through some testing, but on the other side of that test, there's some blessing. After Abraham was tested with Isaac, he was blessed to be a blessing to all the nations. After Jacob was tested by wrestling, God blessed him. After Joseph was tested for 16 years in pits and in, in prison cells, he was blessed on the other side of that. The Bible says, though there might be weeping through the night, there's some joy that's gonna come in the morning. Those who, who sow in tears, they will reap in joy. There is a blessing that comes after the testing. There's, there's a scripture that a friend of mine turned me on to a couple of days ago, and it's become my theme for 2021. I'm praying it out over you, so you should probably start praying it out over yourself as well. But it's in Zechariah chapter nine, verse 12, and it says, come back to the place of safety, all of you prisoners of hope. For I promise this to you, declares the Lord, that for every single one of your troubles, I'm going to give you two blessings. 
Come on, is that not a good promise today? Come on, there might've been some trouble you walked through in 2020. There might've been some stuff that the enemy tried to use to take you out. Maybe it was your finances or your family or your health or whatever the case may be. But God says that is the very place where I am bringing a double blessing now. I'm giving you double for your trouble. Come on, if you went through some stuff last year, I have now set the stage. This is the target for my blessing. If that is the pattern of scripture and if that's how God works, if there is blessing on the other side of testing, then I have the opportunity to be hopeful for 2021 because God knows we went through some garbage last year. We went through some testing, but come on, we are now candidates for a blessing. I truly, truly believe that. And, and that might sound naive, it might sound unreasonable, it might sound ridiculous, considering the context that we're still living in. I mean, let's be honest, the, the clicking of the calendar into January didn't change anything, right? Like the realities that we were facing on December 31st are still the realities that we're facing today. There is still a very real pandemic out there. There's a lot of people that are getting sick. In fact, the, the experts are saying that over the course of the next few weeks, we might see numbers rise to upwards of 500 people per day dying as a result of, of COVID. There's still record unemployment. There's still record depression. There's still record anxiety. There's still record suicides. Like things don't look bad. So it, it might sound unreasonable to even think, hopefully about 2021. Nothing has changed. The environment is still the same. But, but, but wouldn't it be nice, <laughs> let's be honest, wouldn't it be nice if just clicking over into the next year, everything kind of disappeared? Wouldn't that be great? Uh, like I was, I was reading a, a news article a couple of days ago and I didn't even know this existed. But there's a day of, I think it's called the uh, Day of Good Riddance in uh, New York City. And every year it's a tradition in Times Square where people bring like these pieces of paper with all the things they want to get rid, rid of, written down. Some people bring bills, other people bring pictures of, you know, negative folks in their life. And they set up all of these shredders and all of these garbage cans and like bonfires all around Times Square in New York City. And people can just kind of get rid of their stuff. And there's a guy with a microphone and a camera running around. He's interviewing people. What, what do you want to get rid of today? What are you getting rid of for 2020? And it was hilarious to watch some of the interviews. You know, there's a woman and she's got like this collection notice for some bills she hasn't paid. And she's walking over to this shredder and she's like, I'm getting rid of all of my debt from 2020. And she throws it in the shredder. I'm like, honey, that's not how that works. <laughs> like you are still in collections. You realize that, right? Like that's actually just not a very wise thing. It reminded me of that scene in the office where Michael is like, you know, I declare bankruptcy. And you're like, no, you don't just get to declare. Anyway, moving on. There's another girl, she walked up and she had a, a picture of her ex-boyfriend and she's like, I'm getting rid of negative people in my life and I'm starting with my ex-boyfriend. And I'm like, that's called murder. You can't kill him. So like, wouldn't it, but wouldn't it be nice if it, that's how it worked, right? Like you just bring a Petri dish of, of COVID, COVID and you put it in a garbage can and it disappears. You're like, why didn't Fauci think of that one? That would, but that's not how it works. Here we are. <laughs> The realities look very much the same right now as they did 24 hours ago, 48 hours ago, a year ago. Like things, things, well, maybe not a year, but you know, eight months ago, like things are still the same. Nothing has truly changed. And yet it is into this environment, an environment of chaos, an environment of sickness, an environment of, uh, of, of uncertainty that I believe God would call his people to hope. I would say that this is the perfect environment to get our hopes up right now. In fact, that's what I wanna talk about for the next couple of minutes. I wanna talk about hope. I wanna be a part of a community in 2021 that is willing to be hopeful in the midst of uncertain circumstances. 
In fact, I'm praying, believing that over the next couple of moments as we get into this content, that it would be more than just some inspirational New Year's message or something that we forget about a couple of weeks from now as we get into the real teaching and we get past that you know, obligatory sermon at the beginning of the year where you're supposed to inspire people, but that truly this would become a theme. Let me just say for my house, for me and my family, for our leadership team, and by the grace of God for the Father's house, I declare that this is going to be a year of hope. In fact, I wanna give you a title for this message and I want this title to become your theme. Write it on your mirror, get a tattoo if you want to, something to remember this, this theme because I think this theme is gonna carry us through 2021. I wanna call this chat, Dare to Hope. Dare to hope. Come on, if you're sitting next to somebody, turn to them and say, I dare you to hope right now. And if you're not sitting next to anybody, put it in the chat right now. I dare you to hope. Dare to hope. Let's pray and we're gonna get into it. Jesus, I love you and I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your house. I thank you for your people. Lord, I thank you as we walk into this year, we have the spirit of Jesus living on the inside of us. So regardless of what happens around us, we know that we are already victorious. Greater is the one who is in us than he that is in this world. And as we walk into this year, we don't have to do it with our shoulders hung low and our gaze to the ground, just hoping and waiting for something to change. We can walk into 2021 confidently because we serve the God of the universe who sits above it all. Today, I pray that you would inspire hope in every single heart, everyone watching, everyone listening, even those in the room today, Lord, that you would inspire hope and that we'd walk away from this place, from our living rooms, from this sermon, daring to hope for some ridiculous things in 21. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. How many of you guys have ever been uh, victim to a dare? Like somebody dared you to do something and it didn't turn out well for you. Maybe they asked you to eat the inedible thing or drink the disgusting thing or do the thing that was gonna inflict pain and you went about doing it and, and you fell prey to the dare. And if dare is a foreign term to some of the younger folks in the room, uh, I think the current phrase is, you won't. <laughs> I think that's how we say it now, right? Like, you won't, is, a, is basically the modern day version of a dare. A dare is challenging something, someone to do something that is unreasonable, unrealistic, maybe even impossible. Uh, when I was a kid, daring people was very popular. We got dared to do things all the time. So me and my buddies, we would always dare each other to do the most ridiculous things, generally ending in someone's pain, uh, none of which I'm going to share from a stage today because that would be embarrassing, but daring was a very, very popular thing. Um, however, Dares were placed in categories based on the extremity of the nature of the dare. Uh, if, if you were going to dare somebody to do something that wasn't very extreme or wasn't necessarily gonna get them killed, then it might just be a regular old dare. So if I asked someone to go, you know, ask that girl for her phone number or go doorbell ditch the girl that you like, that would just be a regular old normal dare. I dare you to do it. But if the dare was extreme enough, it entered into another category. It would be called a double dare made popular by the Nickelodeon show from 1986, a double dare. And a double dare might include activities such as jumping off of a high structure, egging oncoming traffic, uh, letting the air out of the principal's tires after school, things that I have no experience with. I, I've just heard that these things can happen. And of course, when I was a child, I was praying and fasting and preparing for the moment that I would become the pastor of this church. So I never fell prey to these dares, but that would be a double dare. However, if, if, if somebody dared you to do something extreme enough that it could get you killed, something that was 
something that was unreasonable, unrealistic, impossible, it would cross into this forbidden territory called a double dog dare. And for those of us who do not like to back down from a challenge, because that's the way we're wired, those might as well be the words on our epitaph. I double dog dare you, because there is no way that I'm gonna back down from something, yes, even if it means getting me killed. And I'd love to tell you a story about that right now, but I'm not going to. Instead, here's what I'll say. It would seem to dare to hope in 2021 would probably go beyond the normal threshold of daring. It would seem based on the trauma we've faced and all of the chaos that still exists in our world that maybe even a double dare would not be enough to, to truly position you to dare to hope in 2021. Dare I say, to dare to hope this year, based on what we're walking through, based on the environment and the landscape we find ourselves in, this might in fact be a double dog dare. <laughs> Yet, those three words, dare to hope, have haunted me for the last couple of days because I believe with every fiber of my being that it is an invitation from the Holy Spirit for the Father's house this year to dare to hope, yes, even in the midst of the environment we find ourselves in. Uh, those three words, dare to hope, uh, they find their origin with the prophet Jeremiah in the book of Lamentations. A little bit of context before we go to the word. Uh, Jeremiah, at this time in history, has been the prophet to Israel, and he's been warning God's people and telling them what was going to come. And uh, this book of Lamentations is actually not a book. It's, it's, it's more of an acrostic poem that uh, models itself after a funeral song where one would lament loss. And many theologians believe that as Jeremiah is writing this poem, he's sitting on an adjacent hill or an adjacent cliff looking out over the city of Jerusalem and he's mourning its loss. At this time in history, the, the, the Israelites have been handed back over to the Babylonians and they're in captivity and they're in slavery once again and uh, their wealth has been stripped away. The city that was once bustling and blessed is now sitting desolate and empty. And, and Jeremiah laments over the loss of all that's taken place for God's people. And he doesn't hold back. In fact, if you read slowly through the first couple of chapters of Lamentations, it, it, is, it is a tragic song, a tragic poem to walk through. Let me, let me give you just a sampling of a couple things that he says. In Lamentations 1, verse 1, he says, Jerusalem, once so full of people, is now deserted. She who was once great among the nations now sits alone like a widow. Once the queen of all the earth, she is now a slave. The roads to Jerusalem are in mourning for crowds no longer come to celebrate the festivals. The city gates are silent, her priests groan, her young women are crying, how bitter is her fate. In chapter two, verse 11, he says, I have cried until the tears no longer come. My heart is broken, my spirit is poured out in agony as I see the desperate plight of my people. And on and on he goes, just lamenting about all the loss until he reaches this climax in chapter three, in verse 17, where he says, peace has been stripped away and I have forgotten what prosperity is. I cry out, my splendor is gone. Everything I had hoped for from the Lord is lost. Everything I had hoped for from the Lord is lost. It's the proverbial nail in the coffin as he just seems to give up with this poem. And I wonder if those words wouldn't resonate with anybody else besides me today. Everything we had hoped for was lost. Come on, there was some stuff I hoped for in 2020. There's some stuff that you probably hoped for in 2020. I had hoped that the pandemic would have been a distant memory by now. I had hoped that our churches would be open by now. 
I had hoped that some people would have stayed together and some marriages would have survived the trauma of 2020. I had hoped some people wouldn't get sick. I had hoped some people wouldn't die. I had hoped some people would still have their jobs right now. I had hoped my kids would be back in school at this point. I had hoped that the Warriors might go to the playoffs in 2020. But alas, all that I have hoped for from the Lord is lost. And I think a lot of us could say, man, I asked God for some stuff in 2020. I get that email every day now from the, the folks that have been praying for the last nine and a half months for the end of this pandemic. And they've been praying that, that scripture in Second Chronicles, if my people were called by my name. And yet here we are nine and a half months later, after millions of people have been praying, we're still facing it. There's some things that we have hoped for from God that didn't come to pass. All that we had hoped for seems lost. And that is the tension that Jeremiah is wrestling with in this scripture right now. Everything he had hoped for didn't happen. He had hoped that God would spare his people and they wouldn't be handed over to the Babylonians again, but they were. He had hoped that their wealth would not have been stripped away, but it was. He had hoped that the people would have repented and turned their hearts back over to God, but they didn't. He had desperately cried out for things to turn back to normal, but they didn't. Everything he had hoped for was lost. Yet, in the middle of this lament, in the middle of three chapters of crying out for all the loss and all the devastation, there is a moment where it's like the Spirit of God sweeps in on Jeremiah and he has some clarity. There is a moment where something shifts for the prophet and he begins to see things from a different vantage point. And it is that moment I am praying many will have today, a moment where there is a shift in your spirit and a shift in your perspective and a shift in your gaze so that you can begin to see things perhaps the way God sees them instead of the way the rest of the world sees it. Because in the middle of this lament in verse 21, here's what Jeremiah says. After all of the devastation, after all the complaining, he says, yet I still dare to hope. Regardless of what I'm seeing, regardless of what I'm witnessing with my own eyes, yes, the people have been sent off to captivity. They're in exile again. The wealth is gone. The people are gone. It seems like the blessing of God is lifted. Yet in the face of this devastation and in the face of hopelessness, I still dare to hope. That is a massive statement. And it's a statement that we should, we should stop for a moment and say la on because there is no logical reason for Jeremiah to hope right now. There is no reason based on what he's seeing and what he's experienced that there should be an ounce of hope left in his heart. And thus that tells me this hope cannot be some kind of human hope that we fabricate based on our, 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 our desire for a, person, a certain outcome. This can't be some kind of human hope. See, see human hope is, is rooted in desire. In fact, encapsulated in the definition of hope is that thought. Uh, in the English, the word hope is a desire for something good to happen. In other words, with, with human hope, there is a desire, but there also needs to be some evidence to support the outcome of that desire. Otherwise, the hope is useless. For example, um, I could hope with every fiber of my being that by the conclusion of 2021, I could dunk a basketball on a 10-foot hoop. I could hope, but there is no evidence to support the fact that that's gonna happen. Based, don't laugh, based on my age, based on these sticks right here, based on my genetic makeup, there's no way I'm going to achieve a 40 inch vertical by the conclusion of 2021 so that I can dunk a basketball into a 10 foot hoop. It's just not gonna happen. 
So I can hope, but that hope is useless. And if Jeremiah was placing his hope in some kind of desired outcome that would be supported by evidence, he's kind of wasting his time hoping. There's no way a guy in his condition looking at what he's looking at should have any hope in his heart, which tells me that this must be a different kind of hope. See, see the word that Jeremiah uses in the Hebrew for hope is the word yachal, and it means to expect something good. It's an expectation. It's, it's similar to the definition of the Greek word elpis, which means an expectation for something good. Throughout the Bible, when you see the word hope, it is founded in expectation. Let me say it like this. If you're taking notes, write this down. True hope is not desire, it's expectation. Unlike human hope that is rooted in a desire that needs evidence to substantiate its claims, biblical hope says, I understand the reality around me, but I still expect something good. It's not some cosmic crapshoot where we're hoping that God's gonna come through with an 11th hour miracle and come on sevens, that's not it. No, it is an understanding that we serve the God of the universe and a confidence, a steadfastness that what I'm hoping for will actually come to pass, not because of me, not because of evidence, but because of the God I serve. It is an expectation, a confident expectation for something good. And this is the kind of hope that Jeremiah finds himself tapping into. This is the kind of hope that the church needs to be prepared to tap into if we're going to weather, yes, even the first couple of months or who knows how long of the storm that we are still facing right now. A hope that is rooted in a God who remains faithful. So I have to ask this question then. Okay, if, if Jeremiah was able to stir up some hope in the midst of this situation, where was the turning point? What was the moment where Jeremiah looked at devastation and said, yeah, I see something good coming. Because if, if he had that moment, we're gonna need to tap into whatever he tapped into in order to see things differently this year. And in the following sentence, Jeremiah tells us exactly where this hope was found. Lamentations 3.21, he says, yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. What did you remember? Well, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his mercies never fail. His mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. When I remember this, because of the Lord's great love, hey, we weren't taken out and God's mercies are new. Now, pause for a moment because before we tap into this, this scripture a little bit deeper, I think it's important, it's imperative that we also take note of what Jeremiah did not find hope in. Because what he did not find hope in is usually where we try to look for hope. Jeremiah did not find hope in what he saw. It was not like a light at the end of the tunnel and so Jeremiah finally had hope based on the fact that something might change. It was not like, okay, well, a vaccine is here and we're gonna reach herd immunity soon and there's a new president coming and so there's, there's an opportunity for some hope. No, it was not in anything that he saw. He was staring at devastation when hope hit his heart. Furthermore, his hope was not a willful ignorance of the reality of his world. I think that sometimes Christians get into this weird space where like they have this fake declaration of faith, like, yeah, I know I'm sick and you know, I know the bills are piling up and I know things are horrible. Man, isn't God good? He's just great. You're like, no, don't lie to your face. Come on. No, he doesn't ignore the reality of what he's facing. He's honest with what's going on. He's like, yo, things suck. Let's be honest. But I'm remembering something 
that causes me to be hopeful regardless of what I'm seeing. Not ignorant of what I'm seeing, but regardless of what I'm seeing. And then these two things come to mind for Jeremiah. And these two things need to come to mind for us today. First, he says this. He said, because of the Lord's great love, I'm not consumed. I have reason to hope. I dare to hope because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. Modern day translation, here's what he's saying. I'm still alive. I'm still here. I still got breath in my lungs. Hey, okay, listen, I know this is an oversimplification and, and I apologize if this insults anybody, but this is what provoked great hope inside Jeremiah's heart. So, so lean in, ready, ready? You're not dead. <laughs> You're still here. You still got breath in your lungs. You woke up this morning. God, God said, hey, get out of bed. I got a plan for your life today. And as the preachers always say, if you ain't dead, then God's not done. There is still a plan for your life. There is still a purpose for your life. There is still a reason for your existence. Romans chapter 12, he's got a good plan for your life. It's good, it's pleasing, and it's perfect. And if God spared you in 2020 and you are still on this planet, then your job is to not just survive for 2021, but to truly live this year and to lay hold of everything good that God has for your life, to chase down the call of God. Listen, I, and, and I don't mean this to sound insensitive because I know that there are a lot of people who have lost loved ones over the last year. But, but if you are still on this planet, if you still have breath in your lungs, then you have a reason to be hopeful because it proves to you that God's still got a plan for your life. There's some stuff to be done in the kingdom. I, I love this quote from David Guzik, one of the uh, theologians that I read often. He said, Life was one of the things that Jeremiah remembered. He remembered that as beat down and defeated the people of Jerusalem and Judah were, they were not yet completely consumed. There was still a remnant and a remnant with a promise of restoration. And then look at this. Wherever God leaves life, he leaves hope. Come on, isn't that a good line? It's worth saying again. Wherever God leaves life, he leaves hope. If you are alive right now, you have a reason to be hopeful. You can dare to hope because there is still some breath in your lungs. But Jeremiah doesn't leave it there. He doesn't just remind himself that he's alive. He reminds himself of something great, something, something great that only God can bring into his equation. He goes on to say, I dare to hope when I remember this, that God's mercies are new every single morning. In other words, every day, is a new opportunity. Every day, there is fresh mercy. Every day, yesterday's gone, and I got a new opportunity to live for Jesus today. Yeah, I'm alive, but I'm also alive with the promise of God's mercy today to walk in something fresh. I love this scripture. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible because what this scripture shows me is that God has woven hope even into the fabric of creation. Think about this. When when that calendar clicks over into, into January 1st, and there's this sense of a new beginning, and, and, and the old is gone and the new has come, and I, I can become a different kind of person, even though it's really just the clicking of a clock to a new day, that's not because our society has determined that on January 1st we make resolutions. It's not because of Good Riddance Day in New York City. That's Lamentations chapter three. What people feel on January 1st is new mercy. It's woven into the human experience that, 
this mercy exists and a fresh start exists for us to lay hold of something new in God. The reason you can get into an argument with your spouse or you can blow it one day and then you go to bed and you wake up the next morning and somehow magically you have clarity and you feel a little bit better and a little less agitated and a little less condemned isn't because you got a good night's sleep. It's because there's new mercy available in the morning. It's, it's woven into our experience that every day we wake up, there is a new possibility. I got breath in my lungs and I got mercy for today. God has wiped yesterday. He's wiped 2020 off the planet. And now we're walking into something fresh. And if I've got his mercy and I've got breath in my lungs, come on, I, I can lay hold of some hope today. I love that. And I was reminded of it this last week. In fact, it was the inspiration for this sermon. On this last Tuesday, uh, as I was kind of going back and forth, vacillating between what I wanted to talk about um, this Sunday, I, uh, I went on a walk and I ran into a friend of mine from the church, Dom, who was uh, concluding a run on the Great Highway. Shout out to Dom and Smarty and all the guys at Cut Right Barbershop. You my people, you're the real ones. But uh, I, was, I was vacillating between a couple of different scriptures and I, I couldn't quite figure out what I felt like God was wanting to say to our church. And so as is my custom, I went on this walk and as I was walking, I, I heard someone say, hey, Pastor Tim. And I looked up and there's Dom. He's, he's finishing up this run. And uh, he's like, what are you doing? And I said, oh man, I'm, I'm just praying. I'm, I'm not quite sure what to, to talk about yet. I'm actually leaning in another direction. I'm not really looking about this scripture and lamentations. For those of you who've been a part of the church for a while, you know we did a devotional on this back in April of 2020. And I was up on Mount Davidson and I was looking out over the city and drawing some parallels between the city of San Francisco and the city of Jerusalem and a little, little content that's similar to this. And I'm like, I don't wanna repeat myself. Then I just feel like a lazy preacher that didn't have a new message and just recite cycling something from the Rolodex. But as I was talking to Dom and sharing with him what I was walking through and he said, man, I'm so glad I saw you. In fact, it's crazy that I saw you because I was literally, as I was running and concluding that run, I was thinking about something you said about a year ago. I was thinking about a sermon that you preached where you said, every day there is a new opportunity in front of me. Every day I get a fresh start. And as I was thinking about the end of this year and the, and the start of a new year, I just couldn't help but feel that sense of newness and this opportunity for a fresh start. And I'm just really excited to walk into next year. And as soon as he said that, I knew the Holy Spirit was like, hey, get over yourself. It doesn't matter if you're repeating content in any way, because this is what people need to hear right now. They need to dare to hope right now. And this is what I'm speaking to my church. I'm reminding the church that there is mercy available to them. I'm reminding the church that they still got breath in their lungs. And as long as they're breathing and as long as my mercy is available to them, they have a reason to be hopeful for this year. It's okay. So here we are. Now, let me conclude with this. I'm gonna make this very practical. I'm gonna ask the band to come so we can, we can end. But I wanna make this super simple. My pastor used to tell me, uh, every sermon answers two questions. Number one, what do you want people to know? Number two, what do you want people to do? I've already told you what I want you to know. Here's what I want you to do. As we walk into 21 together, I wanna invite you to join me in making something I'm gonna call a hope list. A hope list for everything that looks hopeless right now. As you consider the landscape of your life, you look out over all that you're facing right now. Let me ask you this question. Where have you lost hope? Where have things become somewhat hopeless? Where have your prayers dropped off because you've just settled, this is how it's gonna be? Have you lost hope in your marriage? Have you lost hope with your kids? 
Have you lost hope with your future? Have you lost hope that there's freedom from that addiction that you've repented of and tried to get free of, but you're still in? Have you lost hope in asking for that healing and you still have the diagnosis? Where have you lost some hope? And as you identify that area, I wanna dare you to hope again. I wanna dare you to make a list of hopes for 2021. I, I did this a couple of days ago. I made my own little hope list for some areas that didn't look great. And I won't share the personal ones with you, but let me share you a couple of hope list items that I'm praying out over our church this year. I dare to hope that our church would reopen with no additional closures by the end of January. I dare to hope that there would be a doubling in every area of our church, according to Zechariah 9:12. Every place that there was trouble, I declared two blessings. I declared double salvations, double baptisms, double money given away to outreach organizations, double groups, double savings, double giving, double in every area. I dare to hope for a doubling for every other Bible-believing in Jesus teaching church in San Francisco that has survived and has suffered through 2020. I dare to hope that our church would enter into a purchase agreement for a permanent facility this year that we can call home. And no pressure banned, but I dare to hope that our church would record a full-length worship album capturing the anthems that God has given us for our city and for our community. Now, based on evidence alone, based on my desires alone, perhaps those seem ridiculous. Perhaps it seems too naive to believe that those kinds of hopes would materialize in 2021. But when I know the God of the universe, come on, when I know that I got breath in my lungs and I got his mercy available to me and our church is still alive, it's still kicking, we're still breathing and there is mercy available to the bride of Jesus Christ, I can get my hopes up and I can dare to believe that God still has some good things available to us in 21. So I ask you again, where have you lost hope? Uh, even as I'm saying this, I feel like there's someone who would be timid to even write these things down because you're just, I don't wanna be disappointed. Come on, I dare you to write these things down. Survey them throughout the year, pray over them this year and watch as God does exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ever ask, think, or imagine, not according to your goodness or your glory, but His in Christ Jesus. And as you write these things down and you identify them this year, I wanna pray this simple scripture over you. In fact, wherever you're at today, would you just lift your hands towards heaven? And I'm gonna pray Romans chapter 15, verse 13. These are the words of Paul that he prayed over the church. I'm praying over you. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in Him. I pray then that you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, over your church today, over everyone listening, everyone watching, I ask that we would have a willingness to dare to hope again. Lord, I don't know the complexities of every single situation. I don't know what people are walking through right now, but you know every single intimate detail. You know the hairs on their head, every fiber of their being, and you know what it's gonna take to see their situation change. So right now we speak hope to every heart. We stir faith up again. God, may we believe for greater than what we've seen in 2020 as we walk into this new year. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And before we conclude, while well, everyone's still bowing heads and closing eyes in this room and wherever you're watching from, I just wanna make an invitation to you. The beginning of that prayer says this, I pray that God 
the source of hope will fill you completely with joy. Hope is not found in any other source but Jesus. And maybe as you cross over 2020 into 2021, the commitment you need to make first before you hope for anything is to root yourself in the source of hope himself. So recommit your life to Jesus today. And I can't think of a better way to start out this year. If you've been far from God to just say, you know what? Yesterday is gone. There's a new opportunity I'm walking into. There's some new mercy available to me. And I declare that mercy is available to you today. Mercy is this, it's getting what you don't deserve. Maybe, maybe you've blown it for the last 20 years of your life. Hey, God says, I'm gonna wash all that away because of the sacrifice of Jesus. Just place your faith and trust in him. And in one moment, your past is gone and your future is available to you. I wanna pray if you're far from Jesus today that you'd come close to him. And I'm gonna pray a simple prayer. You can repeat it right there with me wherever you're listening or watching from. But pray this today, Jesus, today I give you my heart. I thank you for giving me a fresh start this year. I, I know that my life has been a mess. I know I've made a pile of mistakes, but I'm trusting in your grace today to pick me up, to dust me off, and to help me to walk in your ways from this day forward. I believe that your sacrifice is sufficient for me. Jesus, when you took that cross, you paid the price for all of my sin. And with your shed blood, you gave me a new opportunity for life in you. So I trust you today. I choose to follow you today. Help me to walk with you until I see you in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, can we just thank God for every single one of those who prayed that prayer? Listen, if you just made that decision and you prayed with us, there's a button popping up on the live stream right now that says, raise your hand. I want you to click on that. Give us a little bit of information about yourself. If you're watching in YouTube, uh, you can click on the, the link in the description below. Or if you're watching at a later time, I want you to text TFHSF to 97,000 and you will get that same card to fill out. And it's so, so, so important you do this because the last thing we want you to do is make this decision and then just go about your regular life without being equipped to walk out this new journey. We are really, really passionate about helping people start their journey strong. And we've got a group of people here that do something called First 40. It's a, it's, it's a weekly group. We do virtually, we do it in person, uh, whatever you're more comfortable with. But we go through a resource. We teach you how to read the Bible, how to pray, all about water baptism, all about your next steps. And it will really help you get started strong at the beginning of 2021. So if you prayed that prayer and you made that decision, please avail yourself of that resource. And we're excited to walk this journey with you. Uh, for the rest of you guys, get into a group. Come on, let's get into a great group as we get into January. We love you, and I cannot wait to see you in person soon. Until then, have a great Sunday, and we'll talk to you soon. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to the Father's House podcast. We hope it helped you wherever you're at in your journey. And listen, we wanna pray with you if you're going through something right now that's difficult. You can go to our website, tfh.church, and click on the prayer and praise link and tell us how to join you in prayer. Until next time, be blessed.